You are listening to the Healing Migraines Naturally podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Caesar, and I'm helping women rediscover a migraine-free life. Today, I'm talking to Mary, who runs our awesome Facebook community, about how can I be healthy when I feel so poorly? Welcome, Mary. How are you? Good. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Good. We're recording this March 2nd. I'm starting to see a few glimmers of spring here in the Chicago area. What about you? Yes, it's been really sunshiny for the last few days. And I'm just like itching to get back to the soccer fields. For my kids, not for me. <laughs> for you. Yeah, this morning, a little bird was right outside my window and was chirping and woke me up. And I wasn't even upset about that. <laughs> nice. It's funny. I just moved to the country, so to speak, back in June of last year. And now I have roosters. And I was wow. the only crowed in the morning. And they crow day and night, like all the time. <laughs> No idea. But yeah, it's fun to live in the country. And and now I think it was like last week, another sign of spring, I could hear the neighbor's baby goats crying. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of fun. That's fantastic. Boy, I'm in the Chicago suburbs living on a postage stamp size lot. So (laughs) I can't relate to that at all. It sounds fantastic. It's really peaceful. Minus the screaming lambs and the roosters. It's really quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, this is a huge topic. Like, I'm excited to go talk about it because, like, I can't imagine anything more frustrating. And I know I've actually been there myself, but you go to the doctor and they give you every test under the sun. And then at the end of it, they're like, well, your labs are fine and you look healthy. So it's like they give you a stamp of help and then nothing happens after. And you're going in there because you feel so horrible and you're almost hoping they find something. Yeah, definitely been there before where you're just like, I don't want to be sick, but having an answer would be better than just being miserable for no good reason. It's like there's got to be something that comes back on the blood work, on the imaging for for somebody that feels as horrible as I do. It's They've got to be able to detect something. You know, like back after I had my second baby, I know this is a different illness, but I went through that kind of a gamut of all the tests. And, you know, I was miserable. It was waking me, you know, I had a pain in my stomach. It was waking me up all night. I just felt like I couldn't breathe and something was wrong. But I think I had an ultrasound and blood work and I think a CT scan and they finally did an MRI and it took months to figure out I had a gallbladder issue. And, you know, with migraine sufferers, the sad thing is they don't always even get to a conclusion. Yeah, because with migraines, I mean, we can have chronic migraines, we can have daily migraines, and very rarely is it due to an anatomical issue in the brain, something that would be picked up on an MRI or a CT scan. Very rarely are we even going to have anything come back on blood work with migraines, because the blood work that your medical doctor runs is looking for significant pathology, significant deterioration in organ system function, etc. So migraines, as horrible as they are and as painful as they are, it's not like we're in kidney failure and that's causing the migraine. Migraines are generated when, when there isn't organ damage taking place or extreme pathology taking place that's picked up on conventional blood work and lab work. Well, and you know, I know with my doctors, like 
there's been so many times where they say you're within normal ranges, but just because you're within what everyone else might be normal doesn't mean that your body is functioning the way it's supposed to. Or maybe you're like at the very, very edge of normal and you still feel like garbage, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's pretty frustrating for sure. Well, why don't we dig a little deeper into this? Because this issue really connects to several problems within conventional medicine, allopathic medicine, the dominant medicine practiced in the country. And I guess I would say that the root of it is because your doctor is looking for a disease. So so when we go into the doctor, the doctor is not thinking about what is the state of health of my patient. The doctor is thinking, what disease does my patient have? So let me just pause you right there because most people outside of what you do would go, but wait a minute, a migraine is a disease. So there are, but I'm, my understanding is it's not a disease. It's a symptom of something going on. Well, okay. Yeah. So this is a great point. So in my world, I call the migraines, right? A symptom that your body is generating cluster of symptoms that your body generates when you're not in a state of health. But a medical doctor is not thinking that way. When you go into a medical doctor, they're thinking, okay, what is the diagnosis? And based on the diagnosis, what are the approved treatments for this diagnosis? So it's a focus on the disease. So we have to look at migraines more as a red flag than the disease itself, in a way. Exactly. Because the, uh, again, your medical doctor does not believe that you can recover from chronic migraines, right? The medical doctor does not believe that your migraines are a reflection of your overall health. The migraines, if they rise to enough of a level, are going to give you a, a disease diagnosis. So the emphasis or the approach is totally different. The mindset is totally different. And so your medical doctor is listening to you describe your symptoms for a couple minutes, right? The average appointment length with a medical doctor is less than 12 minutes, right? So for a short period of time, your doctor is listening to you describe your symptoms. And then the doctor may want to run some additional tests or send you for imaging, do some additional workup. Because in order to get a diagnosis in conventional medicine, you have to sort of check certain boxes. So in order to get a certain diagnosis, you have to have certain symptoms that you report. And then for different diseases, you might have to have certain findings on blood work or certain findings on imaging. And so they take what you tell your doctor and then what comes back on lab work or imaging, and they kind of put that together and say, okay, what boxes do these symptoms and these signs check? And then based on that, they say you have XYZ diagnosis. And it seems like all too often, it's almost like having a list of all the options and through the the lab work and stuff, they, nope, it's not that, nope, it's not that. So they're crossing things off their list until they get to the one that fits. And if there's none of them that fits, then they just tell you, it's like, oh, you just have migraines. Yeah. Or we don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <See you> later. <laughs> I actually knew that. Thank you for the help. <laughs> 
Exactly. The conventional medicine is not focused on restoring you to health. It's not focused on helping your body heal and recover so that you're not experiencing the symptoms that you're experiencing. It's focused on categorizing your symptoms into a box. What is the diagnosis? And you're absolutely right. If your symptoms don't sort of check all the boxes, then they don't know what to do. They can't give you a diagnosis. You're out in a limbo. And in conventional medicine, the treatment follows the diagnosis. So the treatment is prescribed. It's interesting. The treatment is prescribed by the diagnosis and the treatment is a prescription. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. So if they can't determine a diagnosis, they cannot treat you. Right. Number one, right? And so that's really frustrating for people. Well, and I think the only, sometimes they get to the end of the list and the treatment is just slap some pain medicine on it and hope it works or, you know, throw the old spaghetti at the wall treatment. Like we were talking about in another um, episode, it's just like, well, let's see which one of these fits or which one sticks to the wall. (laughs) Many times people are told, I can't help you now, but when you get worse, come back. Because if you're worse, then I can help you. Or my favorite, just wait till menopause, they'll go away. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 50 years this sounds so fun or whatever. Right, exactly. So first we have to have the diagnosis in conventional medicine. And then from there, it's almost like a checklist. So medical doctors, again, the kind of the concept that people have in their mind when they go into the doctor is that the doctor is going to listen to them and then pull in all of their vast knowledge that they gain going to medical school of human physiology and anatomy and biochemistry and pathology and kind of pull the whole thing together and then come up with a treatment approach specific for them. That's kind of what we we assume is going on in the mind of the medical doctor. We That's what we want to have happen. That's what I wanted to have happen when I went into my medical doctor with my migraines. But that's not actually how medicine is practiced today. So first comes the diagnosis, and then it's almost like a checklist. If you have migraines, start with tryptin medication. There's like a little flow chart almost that directs the doctor to start with XYZ medication. And then if that doesn't work, okay, step two, try this other medication. If that fails, okay, now we're going to move into a whole new class of medication. It's like a little checklist that they follow. And this is called standard of care. And so The way that medicine is practiced today, medical doctors are under extreme pressure to follow the quote-unquote standard of care, because if they do, they will be protected from lawsuits. I mean, anyone could sue a medical doctor, but being protected as far as being convicted of malpractice. If they follow what is called the standard of care, no fault can be given to the doctor if something doesn't turn out well, because it's like, well, I followed the approved checklist. And then also, given the amount of time that is allowed for us with the doctor, right? The doctor does not have the time to go back and, you know, kind of research the case and, you know, consult um, medical journals and, you know, think about, well, hmm, this was a little bit of a different symptom. Well, given that and what I know about biochemistry, maybe this is what's going on here. No, the doctor does not have time for that. The doctor does not get paid to do that. The doctor gets paid to listen for a very short time to you, determine what boxes, check a diagnosis, and then from there, follow the little flow chart, follow the little standard of care flow chart and write a prescription. Right. So just question, like when you go through all those tests and everything says you're healthy, what 
flowchart are we <laughs> consulting? Because right? <laughs> it doesn't make sense to be using the same flowchart if you have no diagnosis or quote unquote just a migraine as it does if you actually have something else going on. I don't know. Just interesting to me. You know, like I said before, migraines are a condition. We can get that diagnosis of chronic migraines, but it's a particular type of condition where you're not really going to pick any, you know, your blood work's going to be normal. You know, having a migraine doesn't cause kidney failure, right? So it's not like you have chronic migraines for 20 years and we're going to pick up on the lab work that you have kidney failure because migraines are not damaging your kidney. I like how you say that things have to be very, very extreme. Something has to be pretty bad before it shows up on lab work, which I don't want to say that to freak people out. <laughs> like that sounded really extreme, but just meaning a regular, I get a migraine at least once a week may not even show. It's highly unlikely that something's going to come back on blood work with that type of symptom picture of migraines. And very rarely do people have something like a brain tumor or something like that. It's just not that common. So you know, the doctor, I don't know how many clients I've had over the years when I start working with them and, and I ask them, oh, well, do you have any other health concerns other than the migraines? No, I'm healthy other than my migraines. Now, you know, they don't sleep at night. They wake up feeling, you know, totally tired. They're struggling with debilitating head pain and all the other symptoms that go with migraines. You know, they don't think real clearly a lot of the times because of the brain fog, etc. Muscles hurt, right? They're barely making it through the day, but they've been told they're healthy. Right. right? And you were saying there's a lot of even digestive issues. So things that you, you could potentially have going on that we don't normally connect to migraines. Absolutely. So yeah, you can have heartburn every night. It's highly unlikely that something's going to come back on blood work if you're having heartburn every night. So we can feel really, really poorly, not have anything come back on imaging and blood work. The doctor says we're healthy. It's very confusing for people and it's very demoralizing for people. You know, this is where people are like, you know, I don't want a brain tumor, but at least, you know, if they found something, I would have an explanation. Right. And then they could pick up the right flow chart. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh... So in my world, I'm not treating a disease. I'm helping people restore their health. It's a totally different process and it's a totally different mindset. And I'm looking at different data. Well, it's the old adage, right? What you focus on, you get more of. True. And so in the medical system, we're focusing on disease. And guess what we've gotten over the past 50 years? A lot more <laughs> disease. Yeah. Right? I have to say, I mean, like... Probably our most common question in every group or in the group, at least once a day is, has anyone tried X medication and did you have any side effects? And it doesn't matter which medication you plug in there. There's a whole list of them. And there's somebody that will do very poorly on that medication. So it's kind of sad to go to the treating of the disease rather than restoring your health, knowing that those medications, you're so desperate for relief that you're willing to take any side effect. Yes. Rather than filling the migraine. Absolutely. And I'm, I couldn't be more sympathetic. I've been there. We humans will do anything to get out of pain. Especially if it's a chronic issue. Like, I mean, I can deal with a migraine once a year and be like, oh, no big deal, right? But it's when it's daily or weekly and you're having to miss work or miss activities with your family or whatever, and you feel like you're just stuck, that you get to that point where you're like, I will do anything to get rid of this pain. And 
it's really heartbreaking. And we've done, you know, polls and so on in the Facebook group asking this very question. What bothers you more, the side effects or the migraine pain? Or, you know, what would you rather have, migraine pain or side effects? And overwhelmingly, people say, oh, I'd rather have side effects because... Like I say, we are wired as humans to get ourselves out of pain, whether it's physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain. We will do anything to get out of pain. And so I, I don't criticize people in the least. I totally get it. I totally understand where they're coming from. But unfortunately, it's a road that people go down that kind of reaches a dead end. It's a dead end road because the medications stop working. You know, medications stop working over time. And this is what people experience all the time too. You know, they start with an Imitrex and, oh, this works in 15 minutes. Okay, well, I'd rather not have to take Imitrex, but I only have to take it a few times a year. Okay, I guess I'll live with that. But unfortunately, when we suppress symptoms, the body fights that suppression. And so Imitrex will work. And then after a few years, it won't work. And we got to take more and more. And then we've got to switch to a different tryptin. And then that stops working. And then we got to start other abortive medication. And then that stops working. We got to do daily preventatives. And then we got to add a second. And it just goes on and on. It's, it's a dead end road. So let me ask you this. Do these specialty clinics have any special treatments that normal neurologists and doctors don't know about that they're keeping from you. <laughs> like Because obviously there's a big pull to those specialty clinics and people go there with a lot of hope, but it's still the same methodology, it sounds like, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what you're getting at is when people have gotten the imaging, they've gotten the blood work, and the doctor says, oh, you're healthy, nothing came back. This is where, and, and people say, well, I feel horrible. I feel like death warmed over. There's, you know, please somebody find something wrong. This is a big motivator for people to go to these specialty clinics because the sense is, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with the big dogs here. You know, this is all they do all day. And, you know, these might be at Mayo Clinic. They might be associated with big name medical schools, et cetera, standalone, you know, nationally known standalone clinics. And so people think that when they go there, they're going to get sort of this secret round of testing. They're going to get the real specialty testing, the real the secret stuff. Yeah, secret stuff. Exactly. And unfortunately, that's not the case. You know, your local neurologist is not holding back from you. The neurologists at these specialty clinics or regional, you know, medical school centers and so on, they don't have any special testing or secret testing, et cetera. They don't have any different drugs. Your local neurologist can prescribe all of the same medication that the doctors at the specialty clinics can prescribe. For goodness sakes, I'm a licensed naturopathic physician, and so I can prescribe all of the migraine medications too. So not that I do, I help people get off those medications, but I can, I'm licensed to do that. It's not like your neurologist has access to medications that I don't have access to. So people, like you say, absolutely, they get, you know, they think that by going to a specialty clinic, they're going to get a different workup or a deeper workup. And over and over again, people leave disappointed. I've had clients tell me that they've left those migraine centers in tears because they thought they were going to get, you know, they were going to get this full workup that they had but been deprived of. Whole, yeah. And it's like, they build it up to like your last hope kind of like, if this place can't do nothing, you know, do it for me, then nothing will. And that's so disheartening. That's so demoralizing. But again, you know, the neurologist at the specialty center, that 
neurologist is not looking at your health. That specialty neurologist is not thinking, what is the state of the health of this patient and how can we improve their health so that they don't generate migraines? That's not what they're thinking at all. They're thinking about, okay, what's the diagnosis and therefore what would the treatment be? And so that process is the same in a rural neurology clinic as it is in a big name city at a big name medical center. It's the same process. So if we turn this whole thing upside down on its head and we approach it from a how do we get our body back into a state of health so that your body doesn't generate migraines and other red flags, what does that process look like? Now you're talking my language. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Show us all of it. (laughs) Let's go. So like I say, I can't state this enough because... People are not being told this. They're being told that they have a chronic disease that they're going to have to manage for the rest of their life. When we have migraines, when we have other symptoms, the body is generating those symptoms because we're not in a state of health. How else would the body be able to communicate with us that something's out of whack, out of alignment? not in balance, not in homeostasis. If the body didn't generate symptoms, we would have no idea. So when we are experiencing migraines, when we are experiencing symptoms, we are not in a state of health. We can restore our health. How do we do that? There are three things that we have to do to restore our health. First, I call these the three principles. So first, we have to get the nutrients to every cell in the body. Two, we have to clear metabolic waste material. And three, we have to restore our resiliency and vitality so that we can weather the physical and mental and emotional stressors that are always going to hit us. Life is full of those things and there's no no end to those So we have to have enough resiliency and vitality to weather those stressors. So if we're not feeling well, if we're having symptoms, if we're having migraines, guaranteed we have some missing pieces or some blockers within those three principles. And as a result, our body is trying to tell us that by the symptoms that it's generating. You know that quote, I've seen it a few times on social media that when your body will whisper at you until it screams. I'm not sure the exact wording yet, but I love that because it's like, yeah, our body is just giving us little hints until we get to the point where it becomes a scream. And then the scream becomes quite debilitating. Yeah, the migraines are the scream. But definitely with myself, when I look back on my symptoms or my state of health before I started getting chronic migraines, and definitely what my clients discover as we go through their health history, those whispers start before the scream of the migraine. I didn't know that, you know, if you don't know that something is a whisper, you don't pick it up. And so my experience was that just one day I started getting migraines every other day. Out of the clear blue sky. Yeah. Don't know why. No idea. Right? Even though you had something else whispering and you just didn't notice it. Yeah. Because we aren't, you know, when we go into the doctor, the doctor is not looking for the whispers. The doctor is looking for the disease diagnosis, right? When we go to school, nobody teaches us about health and so on. What is real health? Nobody learns about these three principles in school right? How do we maintain our health? How do we restore our health? These are things that I started teaching my daughter as, you know, as young as she could understand me. And now as an 11 year old, she knows more about maintaining her health than 90 plus percent of adults. That's what I was exactly going to say. Probably about 90% of us. (laughs) And it's interesting because they do teach in school things like healthy foods, not healthy foods, get your exercise, whatever. But I've never 
once looking back in my life heard someone say this is how to make sure your body can absorb nutrients not once well and let's face it what is taught in schools is influenced by the various food lobbies true And so like I remember when I, in 1980, I was in third grade and I remember like the new food pyramid came out and I remember having the posters on the wall of my classroom and talking about the food pyramid and how to eat healthy. And that was heavily, heavily influenced by the food lobbies. I like, I don't even know what the new shape of the food system is now. <laughs> I'm like, is it a circle now? Like, I can't even <laughs> tell you. <laughs> but I mean, you look at all of the history too, like back in the 90s, everything needed to be low fat and high protein. And then it turned into carbs and then it's macro. And then it's like, it never stays the same. Right. Isn't that interesting? Why doesn't it ever stay the same? Because you don't sell books by giving universal advice. Exactly. But aside from that, it doesn't matter what shape the pyramid or triangle or circle is and what you put on there. If your body can't absorb the nutrients, it doesn't matter. Right. We have to be able to get the nutrients out of the food and then we have to circulate the nutrients to every cell in the body. Right. So this first principle, when I talk about this first principle, a lot of people think I'm talking about eating habits. And yeah, that's part of it. We have to be able to eat nutrients or eat enough, you know, eat enough nutrients, have choose food that has enough nutrients in it. But it's not just that we have to get the nutrients out of the food and then we have to circulate the nutrients to every cell in the body. So yeah, just eating off of a food pyramid does not do that. And the food pyramid, like, again, I I remember being in third grade, and they like made these videos to support the teaching of the new food pyramid. And one of the health foods that I was taught in third grade was pizza. Now, I'm not saying that pizza is unhealthy, (laughs) right? But it was literally presented like, you know, pizza, okay, because like at the bottom of the food pyramid in the 80s were the grains. And so they said, oh, well, the crust of the pizza is made out of wheat. And so that's a grain. And then you're supposed to eat vegetables. So there's some tomato sauce on the pizza. So that's a vegetable. And then you're supposed to have dairy. And so there's cheese on the pizza. And that's your dairy. So it's like great food to eat. Right. It's like a health food. Well, chocolate comes from a plant. Right? Exactly. Just say it's health food from now on. (laughs) So, you know, it's, and that was all influenced by the dairy lobby, you know, big time. And there's nothing wrong with eating dairy. I don't tell my patients not to eat dairy, but telling people to eat pizza every day. Not the most health supporting diet. And I and I don't think I'm dropping a bombshell by saying that. <laughs> well, I mean, and I think that goes to a very good point, though, is that I know I've heard you say or read you telling people in the group, we shouldn't have to be obsessing over what we put in our mouths because your body should be able to metabolize it and use it if it's in a state of health. So it's not about finding the things that you're going to trigger a migraine. It's about getting your body into health where you're not going to trigger a migraine with what you eat. Right, exactly. And, you know, you sell a lot of books if you say that there's a certain diet for a certain condition, right? People are going to, you know, just the human psychology, right? It's like we're going to spend money on something if it's specific to a problem. That's how advertising works, right? Here's the problem. Here's the solution, right? And so you can sell a lot of books by saying that there's a special migraine diet or, you know, 
um, these different fads, you know, keto, paleo, all of these different fad diet, it kind of captures our human psychology. But really, there's a way of eating that's health supporting. And that's how I teach my clients to eat. But that applies to everybody in the house. It doesn't mean that we have to eat a special way. What's health supporting is health supporting for everybody. Right, right. So let me ask you a question. I want to kind of get a picture of what before and after looks like. When you were going through your personal migraines and being told that you were healthy and you couldn't find anything with labs versus what you feel like after you were able to get back into a state of health? Like, what did that look like before and after? As far as um, the lab work? Like, how you felt. No, how you felt. How, like, the symptoms you experienced or not. Like, how... Gotcha. So, like, what, what were some of the whispers? Whispers, yeah. And how did that change once you were back into a state of health? Mm -hmm. So some of the whispers. So first of all, when I went through puberty, I developed terrible acne. So that was a whisper that nobody knew how to read. And so I developed terrible acne. My parents found a dermatologist. My mom drove me there every week and I was given the typical suppressive acne treatments, the antibiotics, topical antibiotics, oral antibiotics, the creams, etc. But that was actually a whisper. And then right around that time, when I was in high school, I developed horrible allergies, particularly during the springtime. So when everything started to grow and bloom, I would have just insanity level allergies, nasal congestion, blowing my nose, you know, sneezing, post nasal drip and bloody noses. I remember, you know, sitting in a high school class and my nose starting to gush, etc. Recurrent nosebleeds. And so again, my parents took me to an allergist and I started getting allergy shots. And then as I got a little bit older, as I got into college, my eyesight started to deteriorate and I had to get glasses. Then when I started working, I became extremely fatigued. I would get really, really tired after I ate lunch. And I talked about this on another podcast. I remember sitting in that cubicle at work, trying not to fall asleep. <laughs> hoping that nobody would notice that I was on the verge of falling asleep. I did not have energy throughout the day. The afternoon slump, that's not a normal thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. Who knew? I mean, I had no, I thought that was normal. Yeah, same. That was a whisper. And then also I was extremely susceptible to colds and flus. So every January I was getting seasonal flu and it was dragging on for like a month and I have to get antibiotics and a steroid inhaler and the whole thing. But, you know, my dad was prone to uh, respiratory stuff. So all this stuff was touted as, you know, either hereditary or, well, you know, who doesn't have allergies? Who, you know, what teenager doesn't have acne? You know, this type of thing. Just a way of life. Yeah, just a way of life. I mean, I could go back even younger. I mean, when I was kid, grade schooler, I mean, I remember laying on the couch watching Gilligan's Island reruns, suffering with a sore, th you know, sore throat, strep throat, ear infections. I remember that vividly. And again, that's just chalked up to normal childhood illness. So those were the whispers that were accumulating over the first 25 years of my life. But out of the blue, I got migraines. Out of the blue, stricken by migraines. Right. Huh. Right. 
So yeah, if the medical system, so again, my parents took me to the doctor. It's not like they didn't take me to the doctor, but if the doctor understood what the whispers were, the trajectory of my life would have been very different. My daughter has never been on antibiotics. So, you know, before COVID, we were getting a letter at least once a month from the school, strep throat in the school, conjunctivitis in the classroom. You know how they have to send the letters. My daughter would never get sick. I was plagued. Uh, this is, you know, in high school, I remember being plagued by conjunctivitis and styes and whole thing, right? But again, this is all just attributed to normal childhood. This is just how it is, etc. Interesting. So one of the things that my clients have told me many times as we do a thorough assessment of their health history, you know, I've had many clients tell me, oh, you know, I thought the migraines were the problem, but actually they're like the second or third level of the problem because the problem is starting long before the migraines. We are, we, our health is declining long before we get the migraines. So what do you see most common as far as whispers go from your clients? Well, so current things that people, you know, common things that my clients experience over and over and over again. So number one would be digestive symptoms. So I have a new client just started working with her when we finished her assessment. We uncovered the fact that she has a lot of digestive symptoms going on for a long time. So, you know, heartburn, indigestion, feeling queasy, you know, taking a couple bites of food and feeling full, not having daily bowel movements or loose stools, you know, all kinds of things within the digestive tract. Difficulty swallowing, you know, food getting caught in the throat. These are all symptoms that the digestion is not functioning properly. Properly. And I remember you saying that if your digestive system is working right, you shouldn't even be aware of it. And that- exactly, exactly. And I said that to my client, and she said, "You got to be kidding me!" <laughs> <laughs> like, dang, I didn't like that. Would not. I mean, I'm. I'm not going to lie here. I'm used to heartburn. That's just a fact of life nowadays. <laughs> right. But yeah, you know, it's not. Uh, people don't understand that that's a whisper. I know. And I put off these podcasts, and I'm always like, "Dang it." <laughs> I got to work on something. (laughs) So that's very, very common. Low appetite is very common. And other common symptoms are things like Raynaud's syndrome, or this is where the hands or the fingers or the feet kind of go into the spasm and they will feel very cold and it's very painful. They turn their hands and feet turn kind of purple too. Like, yeah, wow. Yeah. White or purple, that's very common amongst migraine sufferers. Dizziness is very common amongst migraine sufferers. Allergies are very common. Not only menstrual migraines, but issues with the period itself. Things like what we might call PMS. Again, when I was a girl growing up, all my girlfriends told me that PMS was normal, part of life. It's not. We should be having a period and not having symptoms. Yeah, we have to take care of our period, but we shouldn't be, you know, doubled over in agony. We shouldn't be having mood swings and all this other kind of stuff. So like I say, allergies, skin issues, acne, eczema, hives, those are very common. Definitely brain fog, fatigue, muscle pain, things like chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia. Those are all very common. All of these things are connected the root of all of these things is the same. 
the root goes back to those three principles. We've got some missing pieces or some blockers that are preventing the nutrients from going to every cell in the body. That's preventing the clearing of metabolic waste material and things that are draining our vitality. Everything goes back to that. All of my symptoms went back to that. You know, now I now I realize that. Interesting. I, I just went into deep thought mode. I'm here. I just, there's so many things going through my head. Like how many hundreds of different symptoms get brought up in the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Like dizziness, earplug. Yeah. Ringing in the ears, numbness, tingling. Mm-hmm. Very common. Smelling phantom smells. So many things that are part of migraines, but we don't always attribute them all to migraines or I don't attribute them. That's not what I mean. I mean, like consider them part of the same problem. Exactly. Because they're not treated as part of the same problem by the medical system. If you have dizziness, you're given a different prescription than if you have acne. Even if you go to the natural medicine provider, you're given a different supplement for your acne and a different supplement for your allergies. And it seems to me like a lot of the things that you just listed are often the things that there really isn't a concrete treatment for. Like Mm -hmm. it's all kind of these off the wall symptoms that we're throwing spaghetti at. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) My favorite analogy. (laughs) So interesting. And the wonderful thing is when we start to restore our health, all of these symptoms start to improve. They may not improve at the same rate or on the same timeline, but they all start to improve. Right. Which is actually kind of what I was going to just ask you. Like, if you're having the symptoms and you start working on getting your body in a state of health, not only does the migraine start to go away, but the pain and fatigue and all of those things get better as well, which is really nice. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've covered a lot today, Mary. What do you think? Oh my gosh. I always am surprised when we get towards the end and I'm like, we just talked for 45 minutes and they didn't even notice. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good topic though. I would like to hear what, you know, listeners have to say about how they feel completely awful and their doctors are telling them that they're not sick. Exactly. Oh, you're healthy. Very interesting. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for joining me today, Mary, and thank you for listening. Before you go, be sure to like this episode and subscribe to this podcast. Do you know someone in your life who would benefit from what we talked about today? If so, please share with them. Share on your social media, share this within other migraine Facebook groups you're in, and if you want to stay connected, join my free Facebook group with over 11,000 women who are rediscovering a migraine-free life. You can go to Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar ND on Facebook, or you can go to healingmigrainesnaturally.com and we'll redirect you there. So wonderful, Mary. Thank you again. Great to talk to you as always. Yep. We'll see everybody next time. And thank you for listening. Before you go, be sure to like this episode and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and other popular podcast platforms. Do you have someone in your life who would benefit from what we talked about today? Please share it with them. Share on your social media. Share within other migraine Facebook groups that you are in. We really want to get the word out that you can recover your health and stop getting chronic migraines. And if you want to stay connected, join my free migraine Facebook group with over 11,000 women who are rediscovering a migraine-free life. Go to Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar, ND, on Facebook or to healingmigrainesnaturally.com and we'll redirect you to the Facebook group. 